the Red 78. I just can't believe you've been positive for three weeks in a row. It must have been something that's so out of your mind. I can't believe it myself. <laughs> can't believe it myself. I can't believe Available it. every Wednesday. Don't miss a moment of action. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Monday morning, it's a, a win Monday for Munster. I'd say the atmosphere uh, in the Munster camp on the way home from Franklin's Gardens would have been sensational, Alan. Really pleased with a win, I think, uh, to get the win over there. Uh, but I think the second half wasn't... Uh, you wouldn't. You, you enjoy the defensive effort when you have to, when you have to dig in. But I think... Um, the the bigger picture is a lot of mistakes and errors and and the discipline was poor eighteen penalties but a big positive is a win you know given where Munster were at the start of the season I think um, they dug in they showed a lot of grit and determination and yeah I know Graham Rowntree said this after the game and it isn't just coaches speak when you have to put in a hard shift like that it does make you grow as a team there's a lot of backslapping and you can go around the dressing room afterwards and say we were under pressure here and we 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 never gave in and they need that kind of a, a day as well. It, it's not the worst thing in the world that could have happened to them. No, because like, there was a lot of credit given to Munster after the Toulouse performance. And I just wasn't sure if it was too early for that credit. But they backed it up in all the ways they need to back it up with. Like It wasn't quality that they showed uh, in terms of ball handling or even decision making in some instances. It was sheer grunt. Now, they were fortunate a little bit a couple of times. Some refereeing decisions, I thought. Yeah, for, quite fortunate. Could have been a penalty try. Should have been. Uh, should have been a couple more yellow cards. <laughs> but do you, do you, absolutely. But I think the referee was shocking for both sides. Um, I don't think he was making decisions to kind of penalise one or the other at any time, and even at that time, just lost control. He, yeah, and it got it got dangerous. It got narky. Yeah, and the row that happened was was. Did he deal with the scrap properly? Like no. Uh, I think Dave Ribbons caught John Ryan around the neck. John Ryan, ge- genuinely, there was two, there was two guys kind of, yeah, yeah, two guys scru- um, um, fighting or pushing or shoving with Jack O'Donoghue, Ludlam, and that's where it started. And then uh, and Augustus, the number eight, and then Dave Ribbons joined the second row. He's a big man. John Ryan just kind of walked in to kind of separate guys, and he gets an arm around his neck. He gets launched onto the ground, and he has two of them. They're they're putting the elbow down his neck. Yeah. Um, he's getting kind of this down and straight into the face. That really, really is wrong. What happened there? And he was an innocent bystander. He didn't run into the no. giant in kind of going punching. He was actually breaking it up. Um, That's in a red card. For me, I think Dave Ribbons was shocking what he did. The way you gra- to grab a player around the neck like that with an elbow. He's defend. His hands are down by his side. He's not throwing punches. I think it was absolutely disgraceful. What he did there, the Jack O'Donoghue Ludlam, people can defend themselves there, but there's two of them on one there as well, and and Jack yeah. O'Donoghue like it's he did it, he didn't handle that. Matt Proctor runs from about thirty yards, launches straight in on top of Keith Earls. Keith Earls was, was joined it, but he's getting somebody off his yeah. player. Um, so Proctor, Matt, Matt Proctor, Proctor should have got a yellow card as well. Straight away, I spoke to referee yesterday and he said, first thing I would have done was I would have binned 13 from Northampton and say, you're gone, now I'm going to have a look at it. Because the yeah. way you joined that, it's there's no point even having a chat about it. You're gone, yellow card. And I think Ludlum and Ribbons, Ludlum felt a bit 
um, that, you know, you're, you're scragging guys there. But when you join in, when it's two on one there, and like John Ryan is pinned onto the ground on his back, like, and only Mike yeah. Haley joined in, yeah. you know, they're choking him practically. So look, um, I think that was wrong. But uh, the ref for both sides, in fairness, he got the first probably 20 minutes of the game right. And I'm not saying all these decisions, but I think he panicked. Munster could have had more people in the bin. So, for any listeners, I'm not saying he he screwed Munster here. No, I just think Definitely. he lost control. He some of the decisions for both sides were like, oh my god, and never got it back either. But yeah, from- and Munster gave away 18 penalties. You could easily take three or four of them off. There was a couple of poach breakdown poaches. Tigborn comes through them all, penalised. Gavin Coombs another one clearly on the ball. Mike Haley clearly on the ball, and he gave it again. Said no clear release. Mike Haley. Wasn't the ta- it, yeah. he wasn't the tackler, yeah. and he can come in and poach. But okay, so um, I, I thought the benefits of, sta- they benefits started of that really win, well. right? The benefits of that win are that like everybody is really, really sore, but they've all stood up for each other together. Yeah, and, and the conditions together. were horrendous as well. So um, it was it was lashing rain, it was freezing cold, it was a wind there, so it was hard to play and do what Munster wanted to do. So they had to really dig in. Um, I thought they started the game really well. Uh, their shape the space they were getting um, the confidence they showed and um, so lots of positives but you look back at the game turnovers particularly after half time they got into the Northampton 22 a couple of times and forcing a few passes being a bit too ambitious not catching the ball when they should putting the head down being direct I think another penalty there after half time 26 kind of gives you that little bit of a um, uh, momentum going forward but Northampton are scrappy and they've been very hard kind of hard to beat at home but they're to be honest you have to say they're a poor side when at one stage once they're down to 13 men and you're def- you're attacking for that long and the end product for them was really poor so poor side and Munster didn't play well I see the they showed a lot of grit Northampton head coach being linked in the Telegraph or one of the English papers this morning as the uh, attacking guru to save English rugby. I'm like, Sam, yeah. Sam Vesti was it? Because yeah. um, I think he's he's probably he played with Bartwick and maybe coached under Bartwick before. Um, their attack has been good, and that's the kind of the, the way they were being built before the game. There was two sides who yeah. have changed the way they play and throw the ball around a bit. But Munster put immense pressure on them at the breakdown. But um, it's a strange one with Munster. You kind of criticize. You're kind of giving them credit for Toulouse and not. I'd be much happier this week than. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. very glass half full this week. Yeah. You're, you're mm. seeing the glass half empty. Um, no, no, no. I'm not. I mean, I'm in the middle again. Okay. I'm in the middle again. I think there's lots of improvement. I love the the fight and the determination. They had a real spark to them and an aggression about them all the way through, and they put. Um, I the thought was excellent. Anton Frisch. Um, I know we're going to talk about him. For we're going to keep talking about him all the time. Every time he plays, I just think he's he's he just reminds me of Gary Ringrose so much. Now people don't have to jump on and get too uh, on their high horse about that. That I'm saying something like that. I just think he's a, he's a brilliant defender. He's a stepper. He's real physical. He's getting into rocks, clearing out the ball. Um, there's 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 a real rugby player there, real top class player, I think, and some of his defensive reads yesterday were outstanding again. And there's strength and depth beginning to emerge from like the injury crisis of the last two years. Finally, players who've played a load are actually maturing. It just feels like there's a lot to like about this team at the moment. Yeah, they still have their their issues. Um, the front row for is sure, and not and, deep enough. Sure, um, 
they're lacking that bit of real grunt and size. Um, but I think probably down the charts, when you think they've, um, you know, Thomas Ahern is out, uh, Finneen Witcherly is not available, uh, Edogbo is not available. They're three that yeah. young, enthusiastic, kind of physical players. Maybe Snyman will come back end of January. Um, that'd be a real boost for him. But a lot of this, this same group have played now three or four weeks on the bounce. So they can't keep doing that. So the real kind of measure will be in the next couple of weeks when they play Leinster, Ulster and the Lions and then have Northampton home again. Yeah. So there's, it's, it's an incredibly difficult block for them. But... Jack Crowley playing at 12 um, started the game well he probably had three knock-ons in the game one where he runs that hard line in the first half and then another two where he just takes his eye off the ball I like the fact that he was physical he was making carries um, early on but um, it wasn't that type of game it was it was hard particularly after about 15 or 20 minutes it was hard to get any sort of width in the ball because the game changed it was about kicking in behind and, and smashing each other Roundtree giving uh, name checking Dennis Leamy after the match as well, saying he's turned into a very, very good coach. Like, and to not concede, and for an away team not to concede a try at Franklin's Gardens doesn't happen too often. It's clearly, the Munster defence uh, under Leamy are doing something like yeah, um, and and that's you know you build you can build a lot on the defensive stuff. I think they'll be disappointed with with some of the handling errors, the turnovers. Um, but if you're porous in defence and you're letting in tries and. Um, it's very, very deflating. You can get so much kind of a, of a good feel out of defence, but that's that was the story of the season so far, wasn't it? Like they had been bad and now they're good. That's amazing to have a turnaround. Their defence has been pretty good all season, even in the games they've lost. They've conceded the least amount of tries in the URC. So um, this is something where they're, they're, he's trying to build a foundation from. And I, you would do it with any team in any sport, wouldn't you? You know, if you're playing against the star-studded side, for example, and yeah. under 15, defense GAA, wins championships is the is tighten the up, lads. Don't give them get, time. Don't give them space. Blah 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 blah. You do all that. It's stuff. a quick impact, you'd say. Yeah, but they're good. There's some good defenders there as well. When you look at, uh, you know, particularly the turnover stuff, um, O'Mahony, Tygburn, John Hodnett when he came off the bench had a superb yeah. turnover. Um, Sly old dog O'Mahony as well, stealing lineouts when it looks like he's not even going to contest them. and O'Mahony when they didn't look like they were going <laughs> to yeah. contest him. So I think naive and um, they won't get carried away in Munster and think um, you know they're brilliant now. I think Northampton were really really poor in attack, okay. but Munster defensively can take a lot out of that game. In a way, they saved the weekend in many respects because the rest of the weekend was. A bit of a shambles. A comment from Tommy Tommy. Seriously, what has happened in the Heineken Champions Cup? Grew up watching in the 2000s as a prestigious competition. Last eight years, it's gone downhill rapidly. It's gone stale. Pool stage format is a farce also. It hasn't gone stale. It's just they've screwed it up. Like COVID was difficult for everybody, but it was definitely screwed up. The format of the competition at the moment is makes no sense. Just it, like for Gloucester to be able to not put out a team that was able to be competitive and for them still to be in a competition after it. Like, this is... It's a shambles, I think. Yeah. It, um, I said this on Friday. It's very hard to bl- blame Gloucester because their first team would have been beaten anyway by Leinster on Friday night. And they've got big Gallagher Premiership games coming up in the next few weeks. Plus, they got five points out of the first game. So, eight, nine, ten points can get you into the knockout stages here. Are you going to win it? Are Gloucester going to win it? Are they one of the contenders? No chance. But to get into the round sixteen and be knocking around near the near the end of it, you can you can build something out of that. But um, 
the format yeah it, there's a lot of people talking about it. it's I'm not here saying are you Ger, kind of giving out about it and, and we're the only ones if you go online there's so many rugby fans saying that they don't like and uh, they don't like this format they don't like the two pools of 12 there's eight teams coming out of each group like it's there's you, you're nearly inviting teams to kind of yeah. throw a match here or there or put out weakened teams they have to manage their squads and I, and, and again Gloucester people I, I was reading some stuff online it all comes back to Ireland's big massive budgets and we're, uh, salary caps and all this kind of stuff I saw a response yesterday the average probably wage in the Munster squad is 70 to 80 grand, 80 to 70 or 80 thousand euro per year the Gallagher Premiership is probably more than that but I think it's the depth of number of players they have it's probably um, the Irish squads. Well, Leinster are the ones that they keep referencing all the time. They keep refer- referencing Leinster. But their academy system and you know the school system here helps helps a lot. It makes yeah. it, And they have a great system in place now. Yeah. But that system is also available to other, you know... 100%. Like if, if, so they're now going... To, and there's a lot of reference to all Leinster a few years ago, 2011, when they, they won the, the Heineken Cup final against Northampton. They were 22-6 down at half-time. The week before Leinster rested their whole team, um, the week before Northampton had a bruise and battering match yeah. that they had to get through and they got tired in the second half. I saw one. Maybe it, maybe it's true, but I think the URC at the moment is has become more competitive. And there's always this URC and, and Gallagher Premiership. There's way more intensity sometimes and has been over the years in the in the games in the Gallagher Premiership and there's maybe it has been a desperation to win those games more so than URC games that's changing change a little bit now with the South Africans in it's better we all acknowledge that but quality wise you know Rog said in 2007 for us going to 2006-07 going to Leicester and we were all freaking out at him where he basically said um, I don't know what people the, think the English the players are League than at the time. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. And we were there, Jesus Christ, we're going to Leicester to Welford Road like at the weekend. Hello. And then he kicks the winning penalty from outside the ha- in, inside our own half. And after the game, he's like, Well, I told you so. <laughs> but uh, if we'd lost the game, we would have been given out him. But look, that debate goes on and it's difficult. And uh, COVID, I think, really impacted Eng- the English Premiership teams and made it difficult for them, obviously. I think having the IRFU here behind the provinces here helped the situation, the government, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but like... They got they got help as well in the UK, but... They're going to give Finn Russell a million a year to play for Bath, right? That's the rumour at the weekend? Yeah, yeah that's... But is that a good is that a good the use owner of Dyson who has can put his hands in his pocket like that. Is that a good use of resources, though? Like, you know, c- come cry at me about the yeah. how well you're managing stuff sign 10 great young players and build a squad or lash it all into one guy and will Johan Van Grant even know what to do with him? I don't think so. Like, whatever. It, the, I'm, I have limited sympathy for um, Premiership rugby fans whining about other fans enjoying rugby. Isn't it incredible though that they're focusing on Irish players, resting players and all this kind of stuff. When yeah, that's the reason. These are English teams who have steeped in Living history. Living their heads rent for it's, it's There's a little bit of that, Shane. There's a little bit of that. It's... Mm. Um, well, let, let's talk about the. You, you mentioned Raj, and uh, at halftime, I saw the score and was like, oh my God, what the hell's going on here with us? I'm thinking it's going to be something like Leinster, Gloucester the, the night before, that it's going to be 50 or 60 points here, and it's 29 nil to Ulster, to, to La Rochelle at halftime. 
everything else Ulster touched uh, went wrong on them. Their discipline was poor. They t- kept turning the ball over, um, losing the ball when they tried to do something themselves. They seemed to be all over the shop. I know they had, we, we were talking about the travel the week before. They just get into their heads again, really. I just think, I always think me as a player, would I have liked to be going from Belfast down to Dublin? No, it wouldn't, but... Um, it's a lack of fans, really, isn't it? Like, yeah, well, that, that and, and look, I, I think they have a legitimate argument to say, well, we haven't been treated the best here. But what we're forgetting in all this decision, the decision that was made Friday evening, it was made at that point, and at that particular moment, the Kingsman Stadium was not playable at that time. Wake up Sunday, Saturday morning, and it's 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 heading towards being playable. There's a change in the weather; it's milder. Um, could they afford it to wait? It. Who's making that decision? Is the question, and so the it's the referee and the EPCR. The referee was there, Luke Pierce. He's if he's asked the question, is the pitch playable at the moment? It's either yes or no. It obviously wasn't playable. Surely you modern. The CEO then of, of Ulster Rugby, Johnny Petrie, who's tweeting and he's a presence online, um, basically saying the following morning that it's it's playable, the pitch is playable. Should they load it up the, the buses again and head it back up the road? Sure. Maybe. You'd imagine modern weather forecasting would tell them, right, if it's 65% playable on the Friday and we know what the forecast is going to be it's going to be X percentage you need to agree which uh, meteorologist following well, you know, it's, this is going to happen again and again the Irish Times are saying Ulster need to explain themselves <clears throat> Ulster are saying the EPCR need to explain themselves all in all right it's not, it's not a great look when you can't host your own it's very easy. it's very easy to blame EPCR here and say oh, they, they missed them about and they weren't treated fairly that we don't know like there's a pro- there's protocols in place here that would have been adhered to if your ground is not available the day before yeah. we have to move to an alternative there's no point in coming on Saturday morning saying no. oh well the weather has changed they should have been bashing heads and I'm sure they did and there was a lot of resistance out of Ulster they were resisting heavily Friday night I was told but if the protocol says, well, 24 hours before kickoff or whatever that is, we don't know exactly. We'll try and find out exactly what that protocol is. Well, I'm sure EPCR haven't done anything that's not down on paper no. here. It's so at the end of the, the day, absolutely. Like, it's an easy thing and it's wrong to just blame them. Um, you can't just ju- turn around and drive back up the road and say, oh, Saturday it's playable. There's logistics here, there's insurance, there's stewards, there's road policing, there's all kind of stuff. It would have been all in place for for Belfast. Um, But Dan McFarlane was very strong on it. So look, it'd be great to hear a little bit more and get the specifics from all all of Ulster. I I do, you know... um, Leinster were in a situation last year, Ger, with the Montpellier fixture and the... We were all saying, "Oh, we should. They should. It shouldn't. The points shouldn't be awarded to Montpellier." But you know, afterwards, I went and I looked, and I, I EPCR did. They could have allowed a change, but you know, they weren't wrong on what they did, given what was down on paper and what all the clubs sign up to. They signed participation agreements here, and this would have been down in black and white for Ulster as well. So it certainly wasn't ideal. You feel they've just got a, a raw deal with the weather in the last two weeks. Ulster rugby have. Yeah, and in fairness, that might be true. But the performances... Correct. Like, we have to talk about Ulster. This is shocking what's going on. 
Yeah, I think it goes How? back to that second half in the RDS. The two and, losing uh, bonus points maybe get them a little bit out of jail and maybe that's a turning, turning point for the season. So before... And McFarland seems like a really good coach. Well, they've got to go to La Rochelle next. So let's look at it. They've they've two points. Two brilliant points given where they were at half time. Rogers going home probably deflated and a bit angry that they didn't get the bonus point and they didn't kick on um, for sure. Um, Ulster will feel, yeah, we got two points here. But they've got La Rochelle next away. Really difficult for them. Who knows? And then they've got Bath at home or um, Sale at home the last game. Seven or eight points is getting you into that, possibly getting you into the round 16. Is that any good to Ulster being away? Um, they'd still prefer to be there than not be there. But the way they play and the quality that they show at times, they're too good not to be, but they're not consistent enough. And you're talking about that bit of steel. Um, sometimes you feel that that collective is not... It's less than the sum of its parts. Yeah, sometimes. They're very talented. Um, yeah. And that was a good team. And I thought it was very hard. I felt sorry for Ian Henderson the other day because he got frustrated. He kept gave away one or two penalties. He came in from the side on a line break, ended it up in the bin. But Treadwell's not starting. Can't get in the team after his um, great summer. Well, I don't know what happened. Um, I think he may have, may have paid the price for the week before over right. in sale. Um Carter and Alan O'Connor were in the centre I think Alan O'Connor he offers uh, that bit of fight and that bit of aggression and he's very physical but um, overall I think the turnovers and the penalties they've given away 15 penalties Munster gave away 18 any rugby analyst will tell your supporter when you're up in double figures you're, you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself so they give away a lot of penalties they're handling errors and um you know, John Cooney running back the ball, going down on the ball and knocking it over the line and conceding the try there. Everything was going wrong in that first half. But they showed a little bit of character so they can find some sort of solace in what happened in the second half. And, you know, the penalty at the end to get the two losing bonus points. They scored four tries in that second half. It was uh, a brilliant response. And they show people that they they can play but rugby. He talked like listen to Ian Henderson talking afterwards. He was talking about at half time they were like let's let's have a nil nil mindset here. Let's treat this as a why can't they why can't they have that mindset at the start of games because they seem to start so poorly recently. Yeah, there's um, there's something affecting them there a little bit in the last few weeks, and we've seen that bit um, that situation. And um, unfortunately, um, I. I Unfortunately, it's we, we in the a lot of these big games we seem to say it's a mental thing. We're looking at fragility there around um, them allowing this stuff to happen, and sometimes being the architects of their own downfall. When Ulster play rugby, they're a phenomenal side when yeah. they get on the front foot. But that's something in the culture, not right at the moment. Yeah, but I think it's growing, and I like I like Dan McFarlane what he's done there in the last few years. He's brought a little bit of steel and edge in, in some in some of the performances you look at and say, right, they're getting they're getting there. And then, but Europe does that to you; it exposes any sort of weaknesses. And and the URC in Leinster, they did that in that second half, but they've been unlucky with the, in the last two weeks as well. Um, Leinster obviously made a lot of changes, and it, it's uh, it's hard to talk about that Leinster game beyond. Um, some important players getting some game time, and I think Kelleher coming back is a big boost, not just <laughs> yeah, it's for Leinster. Be, yeah, like, um, the two who's, tries. Who's first choice? Just, that's the question, and that's where we're, um, we're, what will happen there now. I think, um, 
I think Ronan Keller is second choice at the moment. Um, and it's great to see Tom Stewart coming through at Ulster as well. Um, I, I think he's a great player and I think he's shown great promise to hooker um, with Ulster. So there's a bit of depth coming in that position, which is um, which is good. But to have the two Leinster guys, I think they're you know, top-class international players. So probably the biggest positive the other night for them was was Kelleher being back in the field and, yeah. and performing, rampaging uh, and doing really well for them. Yeah, because they're both angry runners and you don't want them to lose that part of their game. It's like really important, but equally that's where the injuries can crop up. So, Bonus point win for Connacht as well, we should mention them. And like, yeah, that, was, that was pretty win. strongest important. team. A yeah. um, couple of injury concerns like with Thornby and Boyle. Thornby and Paul Boyle, yeah, that's, that's tough for them now. Um, I, given the Christmas fixtures and all that kind of stuff it's hard on them but kind of went under the radar yeah. for Connacht fans don't be giving out to us when you're in the Challenge Cup that's what happens it goes under the radar um, so uh, but very important win for them and and enjoyable to go on the road like that as well and go to France Breve have been struggling this year and they, they, they've been very much up and down but um, to get a bonus point win there is a big big result for them yeah, and they started brightening the game as well. Like they went, got the lead. Unlike Ulster, it's probably the, the opposite of them. They actually start games quite well. Connacht and look, as you say, it's the Challenge Cup, but wins, wins bring confidence. Yeah, absolutely. It's really important for them. They play Ulster now next weekend, so they've got to try and build on that. But um, the two injuries are hard. I thought Paul Mine, and we spoke about it, Jar, uh, in recent weeks. He was playing really, really well, and. Um, I didn't it see looks it like he's a shoulder injuries. injury. It looks like a shoulder, serious shoulder injury, and Gavin Thornby possibly dislocating his kneecap. That's a big blow for them, but it's part and parcel of the game. Unfortunately, you can get very unlucky, but um, hopefully they recover pretty quickly. Um, Quinny, big day for you. You're you're about to go and take on Nathan in the OTV Games room. I have no chance because I'm not a gamer at all. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought you, all you professional <laughs> no, athletes because you've nothing else no, to do. No, I'm not. No. I cannot sit down and do it. Um, but anyway, after today you'll find out I'll try today maybe a bit of natural ability might help me here I'll just intimidate him yeah like, you know. I'll kick him exactly yeah, smack talk yeah, well, to him exactly <laughs> I mean look gotta take whatever advantages you have in these yeah. things you know? it's, all about the, it's all about the victory what should I do when I go in first intimidate him kind of go over him just lean on him and lean into him a little bit yeah right that's the only way to do it I think with Nathan if he gets cocky as well uh, what, did, what did you think of Messi um, yeah, it was brilliant. I think uh, I, I was a bit divided because I like I I I, I, I love the comeback, uh, but it's a great story in the end for for someone who's been so brilliant for so many years. It was it was phenomenal. I was sitting there, kind of falling asleep towards the seventieth minute, and then <laughs> wow. It was Definitely, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, it was brilliant. It was. We might be able to flick over to the hurling if this <laughs> just one more goal. Yeah, yeah. you'd be grand. But uh, no, in the end, um, they did justice to us. Good stuff, Alan. Thanks a million. Cheers, that thanks. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.